It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. So one of those nice kind of winter days, if you wrap up warm, you should be uh, fine as we welcome you along to Friday's edition of Cork Today. We've got John Paul taking your calls this morning at 1850-333-103. You can text our WhatsApp, the programme, to 0862-103-103. And certainly listening to the news bulletins this morning, it's one of those uh, good news stories uh, for a Friday with the government promising all, all of us a little bit of extra help to Towards our energy bills and our electricity costs next year. Every household in the country, we're all going to get €100 Euro knocked off our first electricity bill in the new year. Now, this obviously is all aimed at the government trying to help with the uh, rising energy uh, costs. And this is part of the plan that's being prepared by the government at the moment. It's seen as a significant state intervention. And if €100 Euro is paid to every single household, it will cost the exchequer more than €170 million. Euro. And it is specifically aimed at easing the financial burden of rising energy prices as inflation continues to soar. And we have now got inflation soaring at record high uh, levels. Now, it's going to be a one-off payment. It's not going to happen every two months when your electricity bill drops. They, they're not quite on that uh, generous. So it's a one-off payment. It's €100. Euro. And they say it will cover the first two months of the year you won't get the cash directly. Uh, it will be deducted at source from your domestic household bill. So no matter who you, what provider you are with, it will be taken from your first bill. And it's expected that it's the bill that lands in uh, March. Even though I know the way my electricity is done, my winter bill is just I've just had a bill in now which covers up to the beginning of December so December and January and it's always that for me and our household is always the most expensive electricity bill and you know and I imagine it's a lot to do with Christmas and this extra cooking going on and extra heating going on and people being at home and all of that but my my winter bill is December and January which comes in in February and then it would be February and March and that bill will come in in April. Anyway, it's going to be some, they're saying it's around March. It's expected it's going to come off that bill. Uh, Plans for the major energy subsidy 
We're told now they're at an advanced stage and the government is anxious to introduce the measures within the winter months. It's the Electricity Credit Scheme and it's been developed by the Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue, the Public Enterprise Minister Michael McGrath and the Climate Action Minister Eamon Ryan. And actually I was watching Pascal Donoghue on the news last night and he was being pressed about some kind of a scheme that he was involved with but he literally was giving nothing away. But obviously this is what... Uh, they were trying to get him to talk about but he wasn't certainly wasn't ready to announce it but it's making all of the papers and it's on all of our news bulletins uh, today. Now it is expected that legislation is going to be needed which will underpin the subsidy which is to say is going to be paid directly to suppliers it won't be paid to households it'll go directly to the suppliers and we will remember back in October in the budget the government had introduced increases in the fuel and the living alone allowance and at the time they were saying they were specific aimed at trying to reduce the cost of energy bills particularly for people on low uh, income and the timing of this couldn't be better because the Central Statistics Office their latest data is showing that the annual rate of inflation rose in November to 5.3% and that is the highest increase in the annual rate of inflation in 20 years and any uh, anyone who is out shopping or doing any kind of business at the moment. We all know every single bill that is coming in seems to be higher. When you're out doing food bills every single week, you seem to be buying the same amount but you seem to be paying more. So I don't think anybody is surprised to hear that inflation is running at the highest level in uh, 20 years. And just looking at a breakdown of why inflation has gone up uh, so much, a lot of it is to do with electricity costs. Electricity costs, would you believe, in the last year has gone up by 21%. Gas prices have gone up by 26%. They reckon home heating oil costs are up by more than 70%. That's just in the last 12 months. Rental costs have gone up by 8% rental costs now are at a new uh, record high. And Bonkers.ie, who we often speak with Eric Hasty of Bonkers.ie on this uh, programme, is warning that the annual household energy bills could rise by as much as €1,300 when you take in all of the various price hikes. So you can see why the government is trying to do something to help people out. And they're not means testing it, they're giving it to every single household. The Taoiseach himself, Leo Varadkar, acknowledging that the impact of the rising rate of inflation and acknowledging that the impact it's having on families. So he says look the government are looking at ways to reduce energy costs for uh, households. Now it seems that the government did examine the possibility of reducing the public service obligation levy on electricity costs but they opted instead to introduce this one off 100 euro credit uh, instead and people absolutely fume when the electricity bill comes in and whatever about paying for the cost of electricity but it's all the add-ons, add-ons and that public service ob- obligation levy always infuriates people and then of course there's VAT and there's VAT on top of that and, and people just get very annoyed because how often over the years have we spoken with people who get charged uh, if they have say a a metre out on a shed or out on some kind of a a workshop that's hardly ever been used or it's sometimes not even used at all and the bill will still come in for that particular metre and a lot of it is made up of things like that that, like the public service obligation levy or carbon taxes or VAT and just it it really does infuriate people. So it is a little bit of good uh, news. I mean if bankers.ie are right and our energy costs will go up by as much as 30 
1,500 across uh, next year. People will say 100 euro isn't going to make much of a dent in that, but at least it is something. We wait to see now what happens with the government. As I say, they are. it is expected that legislation is going to be needed to underpin uh, it. If you were listening to yesterday's programme, we had former Dáil Deputy Ned O'Keefe join us on the programme. Now, he joined us to talk about what had happened in Formoy with the truck that overturned during Storm Barra and that led on Wednesday to massive traffic delays through the town of Formoy because a section of the motorway had to be closed and coming towards the end of the interview I was just asking Ed having spoke with him in quite a number of years you know was he missing politics and then of course it was the opportunity to say to him how did he feel the government was doing and how did he feel his former party Fianna Fáil were doing and he was scathing actually I heard Pierce on the news taking a clip from that uh, interview well practically everything that Ned was saying yesterday about the Fianna Fáil uh, party is kind of reflected in the latest Irish Times Ipsos MRBI opinion poll is out today. It is good news for Sinn Féin but bad news for really all the rest of the major parties. Sinn Féin now has stretched its lead over Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael in the latest poll and it sees the party's popularity rise now to a record level for the Sinn Féin party. Uh, Sinn Féin has risen by three points. They're now at 35%. Uh, percent. That's three points up since the last poll was done in October. They're now 15 points ahead of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. So the state of the parties when you take in the undecided vo- voters and those people who said they would be unlikely to vote if there was an election in the morning, it stands at Sinn Féin, the most popular party on, the, on this opinion poll, at 35% up three points. Fine Gael, 20%, they're down two. Fianna Fáil, 20%, no change. The Green Party, 5%, they're down two. Labour Party remains unchanged at 4%. And then the Independent and others, they are at 15%. They went up three percentage points. But you've got Sinn Féin, the most popular party uh, under this opinion poll, at 35%. And then you've got Leo Varadkar's Fianna Gael and Mio Martins, Fianna Fáil, the same, both on at 20%. And then satisfaction with the government, that's also fallen. It's down three points to 43%. And then the party leaders, they always ask, how do they think the party leaders are doing? Little change there. You've got the Taoiseach and uh, Fianna Fáil leader, Micheál Martin, up to, he's at 43%. Leo Varadkar for Fianna Gael is at 45%. And Mary Lou Macdonald for Sinn Féin is up one at 44%. So that's Faction with the party leaders is pretty much the same. They're all in the kind of the mid uh, 40s. There was a little bit of better news for the coalition parties when voters were asked about the coalition's performance when it comes to how COVID-19 has been handled. And the question was, all in all, do you think the government has done a good job or a bad job handling the COVID-19 pandemic? There was a clear majority here. 53% said, yeah, thought they were doing a good job against just 29% saying they were doing a bad uh, job. Now, it does mark a decline. When that question was asked back in October, 74% of voters felt the government government was doing well, so it has fallen to 57%. Uh, Respondents to the poll were also asked about potential further COVID-19 restrictions and which measures did they feel the government should or should not introduce. They were asked, for example, should the government consider closing bars and restaurants? 31% of people said yes, the government should do it. 
but a bigger majority, 66% said absolutely no way should that be considered. They were asked about closing gyms. 37% said yes, they should be closed. 57% said no. And then two thirds of voters, 66%, were against banning attendance at outdoor sport events. About 30% were in uh, favour. But the strongest opposition on this opinion poll was when people were asked, should the government consider closing schools? 72% said it should absolutely not be considered and 23% were in favour. So I'm assuming the 72% probably have school children at home themselves. The majority's support for limiting household gatherings over Christmas was 53%. Continuing the wearing of masks for children 9 to 12, 61% said that was a good idea. And limiting numbers in bars and restaurants, 69 were in favour of that. And then a majority of respondents, 54%, said the government should consider banning international travel. Now it's by far the best poll result for Sinn Féin. They now have their biggest lead over its rivals since the Irish Times Ipsos MRBI started this particular series. The party support has grown by 10 percentage points since the last election. Fianna Fáil has been steady at 20% in the last three polls but it is Fine Gael, I imagine, today are going to be feeling most down. They have fallen in every single one of these polls over the last year. A year ago, they were 37% and they have fallen down now to 20% in today's polls. So they probably have the one who have the most head scratching and the most worrying uh, to do. But as I say, when I saw and realised that, that I didn't realise that that opinion poll was coming out uh, today, I straight away thought of Ned O'Keefe and his views, particularly on the Fianna Fáil party yesterday. Your thoughts welcome to 1850 333 John Paul taking the calls you can text you can whatsapp to 0862 103 103 when I was talking about this the government's plans to subsidise every household's first electricity bill of 2022 with this 100 euro and it's been stated that the money will be deducted from domestic household bills in uh, March I've had a string of texts and whatsapps uh, from people saying uh, what happens if you are on prepaid power and you top up with a card and don't actually get a bill and I can see a lot of people obviously are using that prepaid uh, option uh, because so many people are asking the same question. We don't have the detail of it yet. Uh, it's, I mean, what we're talking about at the moment looks like it's a, a leak that's coming from somewhere within the government because it is expected legislation actually is going to be needed to underpin uh, the subsidy that's going to be paid directly to suppliers rather than to uh, households. I don't think anyone who's on prepaid power is going to be forgotten about. I'm assuming it'll be done through some kind of credit will be put onto your onto your meter I'm assuming something like that but when we get more detail uh, but I certainly am aware of people who operate their electricity on prepaid power but there is nothing to say there it's 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 every single household so it's people on prepaid power are certainly not going to be uh, forgotten about Claire says hi Patricia on the electricity sub- subsidy why don't they just simply remove VAT from domestic utility bills i.e. all electricity and all gas bills and all home heating oil the government are clean up on the amount of VAT they're taking in at the moment. Surely it's a a no-brainer. Kind regards, uh, Claire. And I wonder what the breakdown would be cost-wise to the Exchequer if they did remove, Claire, exactly what, what you were speaking about. And I know that they've got wriggle room 
from the EU, the EU, because obviously it's not just this country where there is increasing electricity, gas and home heating oil. This is happening right across uh, Europe. And the EU have given all of the various governments room if they want to remove um, VAT or lower VAT. I don't know if that they can completely remove it. So they certainly, it, I, I'm assuming, Claire, it is something they, they have looked at. Now, could it be that they realised exactly what you're saying, the amount of money that they would lose to the exchequer if they went down that route? Maybe maybe that's the reason that the, the cheaper option is to give the hundred euro rather than removing VAT. But we all end up between gas and electricity and home heating oil. We all end up paying putting a lot into the exchequer on VAT. Thank you for your text or WhatsApp clear to 0862 103 103. I mentioned Ned O'Keefe because he joined us on the programme yesterday. A listener says, has Ned O'Keefe a short memory? Uh, what about Charlie Hawhey and his Charvet shirts? Oh, do you remember Charlie Hawhey's Charvet shirts? And it was to do with the amount of stitching, wasn't it, that went into the Charvet shirts that made them so expensive. And hi Patricia, it was good to hear Ned O'Keefe in good form on your programme yesterday. However, his memory seems to have dissolved slightly. Hope you and your radio crew never forget the mess that was left behind by the Bertie Gate uh, party. And that's uh, a text to 0862 103 103. A listener wants to know, and I'm getting John Paul to check it because normally I would get an email in from the HSE about walk-in vaccination centres. Uh, this listener says, Hi Patricia, do you, do you know is there a walk-in vaccination centre open in City Hall this weekend? My 52-year-old daughter with special needs hasn't been called for her booster uh, yet. Uh, we're trying to find out and see uh, for you. What I would suggest, have you got a, a local pharmacy in your area? Pharmacies are doing fantastic jobs giving out booster shots. I would also contact your daughter's GP to see if they're doing booster booster shots, even if she, she got her vaccine, not at her doctor or at her GP or, or even at a local pharmacy. And the reason I say that was I know Marsha, my own daughter, she got her initial vaccine at her service provider where the HSE actually came out and they ran kind of a little mini vaccination clinic up at St. Joseph's Foundation and it was done over two days. But then last weekend I got a text message to bring Marcia to City Hall on Monday was where she got, got hers and then I had a follow-up call from her GP only yesterday to say has she got her booster because they were going to give her a booster there. So you could look at other ways as well. But look at the pharmacy, look at a local pharmacy but also give a local call to your GP uh, because if they are doing walk-ins the worry I would have with walk-ins is there's huge amounts of people turning up to the walk-ins and you don't want to be standing in a massive queue for hours on on end. But we will check in the meantime to see if there is walk-in vaccination centres uh, this weekend. Lines are open 1850-333-103. Now Anne Harley from Charleville who's been fighting stage 4 ovarian cancer since 2014 was this week left bitterly disappointed when planned surgery at CUH didn't go ahead. To update us, Anne joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, Patricia. Um, oh, listen, my heart broke for you during the week because you finally got a surgery appointment and yes. you went into CUH last Monday, a bit apprehensive, but full of hope that finally yes. the surgery w- would be done. How long had you been waiting for that appointment? Six weeks. It was discovered that uh, I had a mess on the chest wall and um, especially for the last four weeks, the pain was ex- you know, excruciating in my back and my arm. I've kind of lost the, the use of my left arm. So the I had an MRI there last week and I was called back in the day after for another MRI and I knew there was something 
not good then. So then I was called in on Monday for surgery on Tuesday to remove the mass from the chest wall. And, um, and do they know what this mass is? They told me I'd have to wait approximately 10 working days to, to know, but more than likely it is uh, cancer. Yeah. <sighs> and, and because of the position of this mass, that's what's causing the back it's, pain? Yeah, because it's resting on the spine and the nerves. So it's sending out the pain constantly down along the left side of my back and my left arm. So there, it's agony. No matter, I'm on very, very strong pain relief from the palliative care team, etc. But it's just not helping the pain. So this mass has to be removed, and then yeah. once get out of pain, and then you can deal with what whatever it is. Well, they said they can't guarantee now at this stage that it will remove the pain. They don't know what damage has been done behind the mass onto the spine, but it might help alleviate the pain. And I was taking any chance at all. But of course, you also want the cancer cut out of your body. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So you went in on Monday with the belief, what, that you'd be done on Tuesday? Yeah, I was called to be in at two o'clock on Monday for surgery Tuesday. So I went in Monday. I had all the tests, the x-rays, the pre-ops, the whole lot. And we started talking about Storm Barra and they said, oh, that won't interfere with your surgery at all. Sure, you know, this is a hospital. We're all living close by, you know, we're in a separate entity to the rest of the hospital. So, um, but you're going to be fasting and you can't take your pain meds on Tuesday. You can take your chemo because I'm on oral chemo. So I said, grand. So I got up Tuesday morning and the pain was bad. But I knew, I kept saying, look, I'm going to theatre. I'll put up with the pain. And then on after lunch, way after lunch, they arrived, two doctors. I hadn't seen my consultant, but two doctors arrived and they said, due to Storm Barra, um, the, there was only one theatre and my surgery was cancelled. So I said, look, I'm in pain since 6 a.m. and I've missed two doses of my pain relief already and it's gone out of control at this stage. So there was nothing forthcoming. I mean, a cancer patient, any patient need their voice to be heard when they're in pain. But, you know, mine wasn't heard when I was in pain. So I had to wait till they brought in my pain relief that they had taken off of me. But it was too late at that stage, you know, in the late afternoon to get the pain relief because I had missed a good few doses. So the pain wasn't uh, under control at all, at all, Monday evening. And... um, they told me, look, you'll be done tomorrow on uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. You'll be done Wednesday. You're going to be fasting again. Um, no pain relieves either now in the morning. Uh, I've had nothing to eat because by the time they tell you the surgery was cancelled, all the meals were finished, you know. So I said, look, that's fine. I wasn't hungry anyway. So Wednesday morning they came over, put the X marks, the spot where they were going to do the surgery, did more blood. Uh, PJ rang up. They told him, yeah, I'm down the list for today. I was going to be done that day. I was delighted. He rang me back. Next thing, uh, about two or three hours later, in comes two more two more doctors. I didn't know who they were saying that due to COVID, they were only down to one theatre that day and my surgery was cancelled. Oh, that's just so destroying. And so, and were they aware, was it the same doctors that had come the previous day to say due to Storm Barrow were cancelling you? Yep. Yeah. So they knew that they'd cancelled you the day before? Yeah, yeah. Were they embarrassed? Were they no. sympathetic? No, they didn't even come into the room. They just stood at the door. And I just said, look, 
I'm under a private consultant. I haven't seen him since the day I walked in that door. I don't know ye. I've never met ye. You know, it should be him that's informing me why my surgery's been cancelled. What are the next steps? You know, I said, I'm in agony here and there's nobody listening about the pain. And eventually someone did send for him and he came down and he just said, look, I don't do any thoracic surgery, which is what I require on a Thursday. I never, Thursdays are my non-thoracic days, but I will try to fit you in tomorrow. And as a cancer patient, to be told you were going to be, tried to be fitted in throughout the day, you know, it didn't fill me with any <laughs> Confidence. of confidence because I kept saying he's going to go into my chest be very quick remove the cancer and you know is it all going to be gone this has gone through my head so I said look do you know what I just don't feel safe here it's in the afternoon you've cancelled it twice it's uh, you've left me in pain for two or three days I haven't eaten since Sunday I said I'm going home I feel safer at home and I said to the consultant, you told PJ and myself that COVID has no bearing on this unit whatsoever, that it's a separate entity to the rest of the hospital. You had your own teasers, your own ICU, your own wards, but now you're telling me that due to COVID, one theatre had to close. I said, I don't, I said, I can't trust this place. And when I can't trust the place or a medical staff, I have to go. So all I wanted to do at that stage, Patricia, was to take my pain relief, get pain relief as soon as possible and just go. And what did he say? Did he try to persuade you to stay? He just turned around and he said, look, you could be waiting a very, very long time again to come back here for me to do the surgery. That's what he said. Yeah, but says you, you've left me here in agony. Yeah. Now into, into the third, going into the fourth day. Going into the fourth day. I said... Look, I said, as a cancer patient, I came in here, I was in your hands. I'm in, I'm in a bad state anyway because I know the cancer is back. But the pain, and you're leaving me in pain for three days, you know, uh, I, I just can't, the pain, I can't put up with it anymore. Yeah, even if he could have guaranteed you, you know, yes. 100% I will do you tomorrow. Yes. You, you could have taken the chance to stay. But yes. I, I can fully un- understand. They, and they even told me, yeah, they told me they can't guarantee any surgeries because something uh, might prop up. And travelling to and from the hospital is even a bit of a nightmare for you, isn't it? Because it, of the pain? When my husband and my sister have, uh, we have an SUV, thank God, we changed the car. So they've made a little bid at the back. So if anyone ever sees an SUV going up to Cork, it's not a corpse in the back of the car lying down. It's me It's me lying down in the back of the car, in the boot of the car. In the bed. It's like a corpse, I swear to God. I have to keep kind of moving my hands so people will know that it's not a corpse. I'm alive, I'm here, I'm, I'm alive. <laughs> so, you, so you've come home and you're back at least able to take your pain meds so it leaves the pain somehow. But where to from here, Anne? Well, I rang my insurance company then. I said, what am I going to do? Well, I rang my oncology team first to contact me as soon as possible today because it was their referral. So then I rang my health insurance company just to see what's my next step. And they said, you know, Cork in Munster, the only cardiothoracic centre is the UH. And I said, I'm really stuck because I said, they're not taking care of what they're supposed to take care of. So he checked out and he said, look, you can go to Dublin, but I do need 
the procedure number of the surgery they were going to do. Every surgery has the procedure number. Yeah, so to see if you're yeah. covered, yeah. So you'll yeah. get that from your consultant's office. Okay. So I rang yesterday at the consultant's office. She said, no, we don't do that at all. We haven't a clue what you're talking about. What kind of surgery were you supposed to get done? So I told her, and she said, no, you'll get that at the accounts office in CUH. So I rang them and they said, not at all, that's your consultant's office that does all that. We have nothing to do with that. All we do is send out the bills when we get all the information from your consultants, ring them back and tell them that. So I rang them back and told them that. And she said, no, nothing to do. I cannot give you a procedure number because I haven't a clue what you're on about. So I'm stuck now. I don't know where I'm going to get a procedure number. God, this is just so frustrating. It is. It is. It's, beyond, it's beyond a joke, Anne. It is really beyond a joke. It is. I mean, the, the one thing any patient wants to have is relief pain. And one thing any patient wants to, heard, to have is have their voice heard by the medical staff. Now, the nurses were lovely for the time you saw them because they don't come in and out of your room that often now. You might see them twice, once in the morning, once at night to do the usual blood pressure and temperature because due to COVID they're trying to keep away from the patients as uh, long as possible. So you have no one really. You've, you can ring the bell if you're in severe, severe pain. But um, they, I, when, when, it, when it's not written into your script for you to get pain relief, you won't get it. And of course, it's, because of COVID, PJ couldn't, your husband PJ, there was no, nobody could come in to visit you. Well, I'll tell you something, Patricia. When I came home when he was there, that man had aged 20 or 30 years because he was in such a state. He was in such a state, especially when he was told that day that I was gone for surgery and he rang me and he said, you'll be fine tomorrow now, this time tomorrow you'll be over it and, you know, you'll be heading home and we'll have a good Christmas. Then to be told when I rang him back and said, look, it's been cancelled again, he was devastated. Because it's him that's putting up with me with the pain. I, I can go down the town here for five minutes in the car and kind of my, my try and use, use my left arm and dope, my, and I mean dope myself up and come up for five minutes. That is my day. I might be able to do that once a week. Once a week. We kept away the grandchildren for the last five weeks just in case I picked up something pre-surgery. Haven't seen them. My eldest granddaughter did a project the other day on ovarian cancer and she sent me a photo on WhatsApp and she's she's devastated because this time of the year, her and her other sister, we used to get together and bake chocolate muffins yeah. for Christmas and she'd take it in, one for Santa and one for Rudolph, and we used to make a dozen chocolate muffins. Can't do it this year. So it's devastating everyone all around, but all I wanted, and I know people are going to say probably I cut my nose off to spite my face, but when you were in there three days, I wanted my pain gone. That's all I wanted. And and when you're in that level of pain, I mean, you're nearly uh, you're nearly off of your head. If you there's no end to the pain, if you know there's going to be an end, you'll tolerate and you'll put up with things. It's like when you get a really bad toothache, you know, once you know you're going to the dentist, you know the pain is going to be taken away. But when you don't know how or when that pain is going to be removed, I 100% think you did the right thing was to get out of there, get home, get back onto your pain 
meds and then regroup and, and see, find some way out of it. But you couldn't stay in a hospital where there was no guarantee. I could be talking to you today with you saying, oh no, they cancelled again today. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, hopefully again on Monday. You can't when you're in that kind of pain. Put up no. with that. And, and you see, you had the anxiety going in about COVID. But I kind of said, look, I'll put COVID at the back of my head. My priority was the pain and to get the cancer out because I knew the cancer had grown and had spread, especially when I was called back the day after for two different MRIs. I knew they had seen something, you know, last week on the first one. And I knew that this was what was causing the severe pain. And I knew remove it, the pain. I know he didn't give me any guarantees that the tumour might have caused a lot of damage on the spine, but it might have reduced the pain. That's all I wanted so I could live normal at home, that I wouldn't be reliant on PJ and the rest of the family for everything. But well, it it's, it's so hard on uh, PJ. I mean, PJ will go to the moon and back for you. I it mean, would. asking PJ to do something for you it doesn't cross my mind because I, I, I know the man and I know the yeah. way he looks after you. But it's to watch somebody you love that much in that kind of pain. That, that's, that's what's hard. Yeah. And you see, the thing is, COVID was blamed. But when I got this pain a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> silly me, I thought it was, I did a bit of hovering. I hadn't done anything for months and I did a bit of hovering. And the following day, I couldn't move with the pain. And I said, oh, I'm after pulling a muscle in my back. But the pain absolutely went beyond <laughs> beyond the pull muscle so due to COVID, my GP wasn't seeing any patients. So it was all phone consultations. So for the first three days, it was thought I had shingles, even though I had no marks for shingles. Yeah, yeah. For the second three days, it could have been something else. But the pain was progressively getting worse then. And then my palliative care team from Maryland had to get involved. So we all knew at this stage that it wasn't good. So I contacted my... Um, oncology team in Cork who arranged everything else then for me so then I got a text back from my oncologist who said yeah it's a tumour yeah god it's just yeah and you yeah. want yeah, you want that tumour out as you say if it relieved the pain give you some kind of quality of life and I yeah. guess then you know what you're dealing with and you know what other treatment is there for it then afterwards yeah. but it's just being left in in, in limbo limbo is, my only option now is, I mean, as most patients, they have to do most of the work themselves. So all I've been doing is online looking to see cardiothoracic surgeons in Dublin because there's no cardiothoracic surgeons elsewhere in Ireland, only Dublin and Cork. It'll have to be Dublin. It'll yeah. have to be Dublin. So I'm just oh. looking at, you know, a few names up there. But this is... Oh, the palliative take... care team, can they, yeah. are they, can they help in any way? Can they... No, you see, their job is just to... Pain relief. Pain relief. The symptomatic control of the patient and to help the family, you know. Yeah. And they're very good. They're, they're, they're absolutely excellent in that score, you know, helping PJ and myself with the pain, but they cannot do anything else. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I can see lots of people are really upset uh, listening to you today. People can't believe uh, what has happened to you. So you're you're definitely in all of our thoughts and all of our prayers. And I mean, I take it the plan was was to have this operation done so that you could come home and enjoy some kind of a, a Christmas. Yeah. 
with the grandchildren and yeah, all. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Okay. Let's let's all uh, send the positive thoughts out that you'll get uh, somebody in Dublin who will be able to take you, and please God that they'll be able to take you before Christmas. We'll keep in contact with you, Anne. Okay. And look Patricia. after yourself and lo- right. love to PJ and all of the family. And Merry Christmas to ah. everybody, and God bless everybody. And God bless you too. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. And I can see a lot of outpouring of love and support uh, for Anne. I'm sorry, I got so emotional at the end of my chat uh, with her. Uh, it's just heartbreaking. It's just absolutely heartbreaking. And people say, my heart goes out uh, to Anne. The health system is a pure joke. Somebody said, oh my God, uh, poor Anne, what strength she has uh, sending her nothing but uh, love. And Mary said, listening to your show, I was so delighted to hear that you're going to have Anne on. I've been thinking about her for such a long, long uh, time. Uh, I don't know her, but I wish her the very best in her journey. I hope she's a lovely Christmas and we're all praying for her from Mary and lots of people saying that and that's all we can do is to keep her in our thoughts and in our prayers. The listener that was on to us this morning wondering is City Hall open tomorrow or Sunday? Our 52 year old daughter with special needs hasn't had a booster yet and I'd suggest her could you get onto her pharmacy or onto her GP and she was back to say I tried both. My doctor isn't doing boosters and the chemist is only doing them online and I don't have access to that. Now somebody says my sister got her vaccine in City Hall. There was no queuing in out in a few minutes says uh, Mary there are walk-in vaccination centres today I don't know if that's of any use to you it's for 50 to 69 year olds from 11am to 5pm today no appointment is needed and also for 50 to 69 year olds which is the category your daughter falls in, into City Hall tomorrow Saturday and again on Sunday there are walk-ins between 9am and 4pm okay so both days you you can go and obviously you need to bring a proof of uh, COVID vaccine with you for your your daughter and she must be at least five months after finishing the course of COVID-19 so her second shot her second vaccine must be at least five months ago which I'm assuming it is the fact that she's ending in the text so good luck with that but it is you can take your daughter either Saturday or Sunday to uh, City Hall and thank you to somebody else who has a partner who is working at City Hall and says yes there are walk-ins happening this weekend for the 50 to 59 year olds Uh, thank you very much I can still see uh, texts coming in reacting to poor old Anne Hurley joining us about the miserable, miserable week that she's had uh, this week. Another Anne says, that poor lady, Anne Hurley, my heart goes out to her. The system has gone down the toilet. Heads should roll. It's absolutely disgraceful the way some patients are being treated. I have two members of my family who really are not being seen after at the moment. Heads definitely should roll. I wish Anne well and good up, good on her for speaking up. She will remain in my thoughts and prayers. And that is from another Anne. And then someone else says hi Patricia my son broke his ankle in August he spent seven days waiting for an operation until I had to ring and ask what the delay was to be told there's worse cases coming in ahead of him eventually he was sent to the martyr private I'm assuming for the operation uh, which in total he was 10 days waiting um, and joining on the programme should demand to be transferred to Dublin people are dying because of this and that is from Anne in uh, Mitchellstown thank you for that uh, Anne but just lots of people wanting and will keep Anne in their thoughts and in their uh, prayers Dan then wants to know so Cy Patricia is it just me are other people's heads been done in by the frequency of RTE ads at 
at night on TV. The last singer standing ad seems to be on every 10 minutes. And even Michael Flatley couldn't watch the ad for tap dancing. That's on next Thursday night, a full week away. And we're constantly seeing the ads. Has anybody else noticed? It's the repetition of ads to do with programmes that are coming up. Uh, It's very much doing Dan in. You obviously watch a lot lot of RT if you're seeing the ads being repeated. I certainly have seen the last singer standing ad. I don't know how much of it I've actually seen, but then I flick around a lot. So maybe maybe that is uh, the reason. Okay, a number of people are on about the opinion polls that I mentioned at the top of the programme, the opinion poll that's out in the, it's the Irish Times, Ipsos, MRBI, showing that Sinn Féin are at the highest ever in the opinion uh, polls. 35% uh, of people say they would vote for Sinn Féin if there was an election in the morning compared to 20% for Fianna Gael and 20% for Fianna Fáil and the Green Party at um, also down to uh, 5% down at 2 and a lot of people now questioning is now the time that Sinn Féin are going to go into power. John in Carrigaline says Patricia I voted Fianna Fáil all of my life. I can't wait to run them from the gate. Next time they decide to call I'll be giving Mary Lou a chance next time around. That's from John. Noel says I think Sinn Féin should run the country. They certainly will do a better job. Well Mike in Clan says Patricia wrong time for Sinn Féin to be leading the opinion polls. An election is two years away at least and by then the brutal murder of Paul Quinn in 2007 will be solved and that would be the that would be bad for Sinn Féin. Watch this space, says Mike in Clan and that was that horrific murder of that young man in uh, Monaghan, Paul uh, Quinn. can't believe that actually happened in, in 2007 where he was lured to a farmyard and there was a, a group of about 10 men waiting for him and he was beaten to death with iron and nail studded bars for up to a half an hour they reckoned every single bone in his body was uh, broken and of course it's his parents Breach and uh, Stephen Quinn who have said it was members of the provisional uh, IRA the South Armagh Brigade they feel that they were responsible for it anyway Mike reckons that would be solved within the next two years and that would be certainly bad for Sinn Féin Patricia while I agree with the opinion polls the big problem with Sinn Féin they don't have enough offices around the uh, country for instance here in North Cork you have to go to Middleton if you want to meet with the local representative Deputy Pat Buckley we would need we would need Sinn Féin offices in Canturk and in uh, Mallow and Michael in West Cork not a fan of Sinn Féin for sure says the opinion polls this morning doesn't come as a surprise I'm around long enough to understand that in politics everything can be done so simply when you're sitting on the opposition benches but dear oh dear the simplicity becomes a nightmare when you enter government that is when you need the experienced people taking up those ministerial roles I ask who within Sinn Féin will have that type of experience Um, have people forgotten that it was the Sinn Féin IRA now Sinn Féin will say IRA who dragged Jean McConville out of her home and put a bullet in her head or the dentist whose fingers was chopped off with an axe believe me they have not changed anyone who believes they have are not living in the real world are they going to tell the relatives where are all the bodies of the disappeared 
God help Ireland if we ever get a Department of Justice in their hands. Uh, Patricia Leppert's never changed their spots, says uh, Michael, who certainly wouldn't be voting for uh, Sinn Féin. But looking at this opinion poll, there's a lot of people now are saying, yeah, they're going to give Sinn Féin a go. 1850-333-103. Hi, Patricia, would you give a shout out, please, on behalf of Formoy Makra. They are holding a tractor run next Sunday. The route will begin at Lismire Community Hall. Hall. Registration is from half past 11 with all proceeds in aid of the Irish Community Air Ambulance. Donations would be gratefully received on the day or you can do it through their GoFundMe page which can be found on the Fremont Makra Facebook and Instagram pages. Good luck to everybody there taking part next Sunday that tractor run in aid of the Irish Community Air Ambulance. C103 Jobs The Wild Pine Restaurant. They're recruiting for full and part-time kitchen and waiting staff, you need to email Emma and the email address is thewildthyme at outlook.ie. Experienced and reliable bar person wanted to work in the Canturk area, 87 Baker Finn Recruitment, they're looking for operators and CNC machinists in Middleton. Email d.delaney at bakerfinn.com. St. Goblet's Nursing Home, Drew's Court, Ballyagran in County Limerick, have a vacancy for a healthcare assistant. You can email your CV to saint.goblets at gmail.com or you can post your CVs to Maura O'Sullivan, the Director of Nursing at St. Goblet's Nursing Home. And Liscarroll Engineering are looking for a full or part-time administrative assistant. Email plynch at liscarrellengineering.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. And for people asking about the boil water notice in Newmarket, it remains in place. Okay, so that boil water notice remaining in place. Uh, that happens in Stormbarra in the Newmarket Regional. If you get your water from the Newmarket Regional Water Supply, you must boil it uh, before consuming. Now, Ballyhooley dad, Andrew Geary, has renewed his appeal for a school sign language interpreter for his deaf son, Callum, and is now asking the Minister for Education, Norma Foley, to make it a Christmas present for Callum and indeed all other deaf children who require it. Andrew Geary joins me. Good morning to you, Andrew. Good morning, Patricia. I was thinking about this last night when I saw that piece where you were saying, please give it to him for, for Christmas. Would it be the best Christmas present ever if you got a call this week to say it was happening? Yeah, certainly it would. Uh, as you know, Patricia, we, we've been on this road for six years and it, it would be... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. It would be just be beautiful to say, listen, this interpreter column is coming into your classroom after Christmas. And it's such a simple fix, Patricia. It's been talked about for 25 years. And there was a, a deaf expert phoned me recently and he saw an interview somewhere on the paper. And he said, Do you realize someone mentioned this on Vincent Brown 25 years ago. And and uh, Vincent Brown nearly fell off his chair, seemingly when the parent mentioned that uh, the deaf children like Callum weren't being taught through people with a qualification in sign language. And here we are, quarter of a century later, and That's you still know... The same. You see, I, I, yeah, you see, I think people will find that hard to believe that while deaf, uh, while Callum is going for to a school for the deaf, teachers who teach deaf children do not have to have a qualification in sign language. No, no. And to their great uh, dedication, every one of them has to go off and spend their own money and own time learning sign language. To, and in fairness, they can teach a lot of the kids there, Patricia, because technology has helped a lot of deaf children with cochlear implants or hearing aids and digital hearing aids, but there's still a hundred children around the country like Callum who can't hear a sound, who need someone with full fluency in sign language, the same as your Irish and French and German teacher. And as I continue to say over and over again, Irish sign language is the only subject you can go into a classroom and teach without any qualification and then be there's no curriculum in sign language in primary school. So you're sending a child in and you're teaching him the English curriculum, but you're never improving his sign language. So that's left totally to the parents to do on their own time. So it's up to the parents to try and give this, like we have an Irish curriculum and an English curriculum in, in primary school. But for the deaf kids of this country, there's no, they're not taught through sign language, A and B, there's no curriculum to improve Which is recognised as their language. Yeah, yeah. Since, and it's four years ago, next Tuesday, that that act was passed, that we spent, the deaf spent 40 years trying to get that act That's passed. the Irish Sign Language uh, act. act. Does and that act give deaf children the right to an interpreter in class? Is that in that act? Yeah, virtually. No, again, the Department of Education kind of fudged on some of the words there, but it's there because... They're a public service and it's there under Section 4, Section 5 and Section 6 of that Act. And again, it, that was affirmed in the SNA review of 2018. That's when they did a review of the whole SNA scheme. They said, listen, children like Callum, they need an SNA is not appropriate for them. 
there needs to be a specific job for them called an Irish Sign Language support worker or an Irish Sign Language communication support, either title. So it's there. They did it in their own review three and a half years ago, again, sitting on a shelf somewhere in Athlone. And they know know this a long, long time. There was a man who came from America that's a friend of mine, Professor Mark Marshark from the Rochester Institute of Technology in New York. He did a whole review in 2007. An outside man came in with Elizabeth Spencer, Dr. Elizabeth Spencer, did a whole review and again was left sitting on a shelf and I found those works myself and tracked Mark down myself. And you might remember I built a whole conference around him mm. in Portleash in 2016, brought people from the White House and Finland and Netherlands, the UK and everywhere else to say, listen, our deaf children are being forgotten and um, I've... Uh, this is about democracy, Patricia, as you know, and I won't be giving up and they can keep but, on putting me on the, the floor. But, I'll keep on getting up. But the thing is, Andrew, while all this is going on, your beautiful son, Callum, his full yeah. potential is not being reached oh, because, yeah. because of this. Totally. He's been at school nine years now and he's years behind his twin brother and that's nothing got to do with his intellect. This man's got brains to burn. Like he passed hearing tests despite having... No auditory nerve. Yeah, he was fo- what, he was what, able to fool people. Yeah, yeah what, that what takes intelligence. Into, does, uh, does, does that take that you can read people who you don't uh, like? He like someone put it brilliantly there recently. It's it's put the next child that's born in Ireland inside in a soundproof glass, and we'll try and teach them uh, Japanese. Mm. through that soundproof glass. Yeah. That's what they're trying yeah, to do yeah, to my child. Exa- yeah, that's exactly and, it. Now, it was raised, the issue was raised at the Senate uh, again this uh, week. Yeah. Any, what kind of a response, any hope, any glimmer uh, of min- hope? Min- Minister Anne Rabbit gave an absolutely dramatic announcement in the Senate. That lady is so honest and is calling things out in fairness to her. She stood up and said that the Irish government is not in compliance with the Irish Sign Language Act. And how many, how many times has a ch- like, I know there's probably children have been mentioned more, but there's no ch- child has been mentioned more in the Shannon or Dahl this year. I, I, I know, yeah. 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 He's yeah. been discussed in the Dahl, inside the Shannon, and I, I've been up and down. I've been, like, I have to take leave every time I go to Dublin. I've been up and down to Dublin how many times in the last few weeks and months again. And do you feel you're getting nowhere? Is there a real sense of frustration there, Andrew? Well, there's a huge amount of pressure on on my shoulders. I think everyone thinks, uh, for some reason, I don't know why, but everyone seems to think that um, Andrew Geary is going to smash through this glass ceiling. I can't see it, but other people seem to have some faith in me. But uh, but they like I, you know, at this stage, Patricia, we're running down three tracks thanks to you and the storytellers of our nation. People are telling the story. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Yes, there's a lot of stuff happening inside in the Oireachtas and the Dáil and Shannon, but I, I, you know, we still have to, we, we've had to take on legal advisors now and really, you know, consider that other route of the High Courts, that's the, and we have to run three parallel tracks. We have to take on, we'll have to be able to pay a solicitor, a barrister and a senior counsel, as well as getting you and the storytellers to tell the story and get the Oireachtas people to continue asking the questions. And this is a simple fix. All it takes is one cross of a T from 
mean, it's just I mean is, is, at the end of the day, is, is that it? I mean, where does ultimately responsibility lie? Is it at the door of Norma Foley? Yes, and the Department of Education, the policy papers are all written since 2018. And we, we'll, there's delay after delay. And a horrible thing was said a few weeks ago to me, came to me via a politician. And in fairness, um, this is a friend that they, they said, listen, you know, just be aware, you know, uh, uh, they said um, basically if you had been a bit quieter things would have been sorted that's not true I don't know, who the, day, I don't know, don't, I don't know who the day is now no Patricia, but, don't, don't, but, don't be listening to a word of that yeah, that's not yeah, true if you yeah. didn't shout we'd, no one would be talking about this as you and said I, Vincent Brown was quietly. exaspirated 25 yeah, yeah, years yeah. ago and 25 years yeah, on yeah, we're all yeah. still exasperated and we're yeah, only and talking it about it because of you for years like I, I'm writing to the department for six years I, 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 uh, I did what a public servant's supposed to do I went in and met the people, wrote the quiet emails, sent the letters. All I've years and years of correspondence to prove that I went through every route possible to exhaust this. And we've had so many false dawns along the way. Like you'll see, hopefully, Patricia next week. Like I've a TED talk come out. I was invited to do oh, well a, done. a talk at TED well done. Dunleary, and I honestly feel this is a this is the battle of democracy. The same. Yeah. Other people have had to liberate the truth, and the truth is, we haven't been educating our, our sign language. We've, we've left down, we've left down that group of children and countless generations yeah. um, of them. But by the way, just on the whole, I, I saw somebody sending a text, and I was planning on asking you, are you watching that young actress Rose on Strictly Come oh, Down? Brilliant, oh, isn't, isn't she just? I mean, and her potential. Yeah. Now I know. Yeah. She, I know she has. She has some bit of of uh, hearing, but what yeah. she's doing for the deaf community oh, is, yeah, is exactly. just wonderful. And, and her, again, she, her yeah. use of sign is incredible. Yeah. And again, it, it just it, and even there's someone in Disney Marvel, I think Patricia, because there's a few deaf characters. There was one in the most recent movie Eternals, which was played by a, a real deaf actress. There's one in another show. Hawkeye, I think it's one of the. It was on the Examiner, the Echo this week. So again, the deaf role model is begin, beginning to become part of mainstream. And there was a deaf man won the American version of of the that show about five or six years ago, whose mother was on holidays here, and a relative of hers ended up in hospital in Cork. And someone said, "Will someone go down and keep this family company?" And we spent a whole week with this deaf American family and his, but his. Her son had won Neil DeMarco. He's a famous deaf American. And yeah. so deaf people can achieve. But yeah. again, we have to give them... We have to educate them. The, the, yes, your son needs an education yeah, yeah, so that he yeah, can reach that yeah, potential. And, yeah, and he's in sixth class, Patricia. And, yeah. that, that, and he's, that, he's he repeating, isn't he? He's so a, hard. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Only for Helen. As I said it how many times on air, Patricia. Yeah. Helen is brilliant at sign language. She's thrown herself. She can sign... With almost anyone, I'm okay. You've seen me. I do some stuff for the guards. I do some stuff, but I'm only Callum's gone, and I'm doing my leaving certain sign at the moment in MTU Trilly. I'm doing a level six Irish sign language course this year, well and I don't have that. I don't have the time for that, Patricia. But I have to do it. That's, I know. That's, I know. That's three to six listen, hours of every week. Listen, keep fighting the good fight. You're you're amazing, and and Callum and the rest of the boys are blessed to have you and, and Helen as parents. It's always a pleasure to have you on the program, and I know we'll speak again, uh, Andrew. In the meantime, look after yourselves and, you. and have a happy Christmas. You happy too, Patricia, and thanks God to John bless. Paul as well. Thank God you. bless. Take care. Bye, Take bye, care. Bye. He's just the man is incredible. That that fight 
on behalf of his young son. Come on, Norma Foley, Minister for Education, would you just sign on the dotted line? There's only about 100 children. It's not going to cost a fortune who needs to have a signed a sign language interpreter sitting with them in the in the classroom. It is their language. Sign, Irish sign language is their language and we have it in our constitution. There is an Irish Sign Language Act there which backs it up. 1850 John Paul taking your course. You can text our uh, WhatsApp to uh, 0862 103 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, during the year, we spoke with Ancestry.com about Irish people who had ended up on the wrong side of the law in the UK. It was then suggested that myself and John Paul, good afternoon or good morning, John Paul. Good morning. uh, Might like to take a look at who some of our ancestors were. And we duly sent off our saliva tests and the results are in. And joining me from Ancestry.com is Jennifer Doyle. Good morning to you, Jennifer. Good morning, Patrick. How are you? How are Hi, you Jennifer. Doing? You're very welcome. Now, we are going to start with John Paul because uh, myself and John Paul had a Zoom call with Jennifer yesterday just to go through the results, just to make sure there wasn't any really dark secrets in our past. And it turns out, Jennifer, that our John Paul is not only 100% Irish, but he's more importantly 100% Cork. He is indeed. The amount of Cork communities and more specifically Cork, uh, uh, South Cork communities, is just amazing. So what we do when we test your DNA at Ancestry is we compare um, your sample towards reference panels that contain thousands of people who have confirmed Ancestry from really specific areas. So, of course, there's the broader area of Ireland, and then you've got the provinces, uh, Leinster, Connacht, Ulster, uh, Munster. But more importantly, we can actually drill down to parish level, and it's really surprising the granular detail we can have so, JP, you're from Bandon. Yeah. And I can see very clearly you show in southwest Cork. And that's a really small area. It goes from Ross Carberry up to about Shannon, And right at the top of that is Bandon. And then we can go bigger. You have south central Cork, which also includes Bandon, over towards Dunmanway. And northeast Cork, which includes Cork City. You're, you're just Cork. Yeah. You can proudly claim to be a Cork man, and it's proven genetically now. And it's interesting because I'm I'm from that area, as you mentioned there, Bandon, but also would have a lot of cousins from Ross Carberry towards in Shannon as well. So yeah, it's a it's a perfect match, as they say. So I'm kind of boring though compared to Patricia. <laughs> but is Jennifer? Is that unusual that somebody would be that so much 100 percent from one area? No, it's not because traditionally Irish people don't tend to move terribly far. So. We always say people, our ancestors usually moved no more than maybe six to ten miles during their lifetime. And if you think about it, it's still true today. You still marry someone from your parish, usually, unless you've moved to one of the cities or to Dublin. And, you know, a lot of people tend to marry uh, who they grew up with and have connections. And so that's why, you know, JP, you're, you're a nice, you're not unusual in that you're solidly Irish, but you are unusual in that you are just, Cork. <laughs> but you see, the thing is, when you're blessed to have been born and raised in Cork, why would you go anywhere else? Yeah, why would you leave? Well, yeah. Exactly. Especially, especially if you live in somewhere as pretty as South Cork. Yeah, ab- yeah true. absolutely. Yeah. But you, you, got, you got some really amazing stuff from John Paul with even photographs. You were able to come up with photographs yeah. of his ancestors. So one of the fascinating things about the DNA is it helps to break down brick walls. And 
as I'm sure you can appreciate, we're not terribly imaginative with names. At least our ancestors weren't. There's lots of Daniels, there's Ellens, there's Timothys, there's Johns. And you've got some lovely Cork surnames, John Paul. You've got your Mahonies, your Sullivans, your Foley's. Um, and one of the things I struggled with when you were when I was trying to build out your family tree was trying to find your grandmother, Ellen Mahoney. I knew when she was born, but I couldn't, you know, find out which Ellen Mahoney was yours. But when I looked at your, looked at your DNA results, I saw you had a reasonably close match, J.O., who, uh, J.O.'s English, but his grandfather was your Ellen, your grandmother's Ellen, Ellen's older brother. And when I started to look through his tree, not only did he have photographs of Ellen's siblings, um, he also had photographs of her parents, who were Humphrey, Ma- Humphrey Mahoney and Catherine Murray. And that's the great thing about what family history does, is when you start to build your tree on ancestry, you can connect into hundreds of other people who you will never have met, who might have left, or even they might have stayed and you just don't know them anymore. But they will have stories and photographs that you just don't have. And then you can find them on their ancestry tree. So they're John Paul's great great-great-grandparents. Great, great yeah. Yeah, they're well, great-grandparents. Yeah. It's fascinating to see the photos. Yeah. Can, yeah. You, can you see a similarity? Uh, it's hard to know in the photos we saw yesterday. I did see, though, because um, one of uh, my grandmother's brothers went to America. And we were discussing that yesterday with Jennifer on the Zoom call. And there is some similarities on people that we have found in on picture-wise in, in America. That Who would look be, like. Yeah, no, they're four or six yeah. cousins. But you'd see the similarities. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's in, fascinating that way. It's in the DNA. It's in the DNA. Okay, so while our John Paul is 100% Irish and 100% Cork, I'm not as clean cut. I'm still 80 Two percent Irish, so I'm proud of that. You are, um, and but you have uh, an English connection. I'm sorry to say. Well, we, I, we, with the name like Messenger, Messenger. I, that, that wasn't in any way surprising, and, and I knew I knew that my granddad had come from England, so I knew there was an English connection. So what's what 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 did you find out about me? So I found out some really interesting things about you, actually. So um, you have a Dublin connection. Yeah. Although Messenger is English, uh, Joseph was born in Dublin. His grandfather. So your your grandfather was um, James. Yeah. His father was Joseph. Yeah. And Joseph was born in Dublin in 1839. And it, but both his parents were from Cheltenham in England. And Joseph grew up in Cheltenham. So it's a mystery as to why this family came to Dublin. And that's the great thing is the rabbit holes you can go down. And it just becomes so fascinating to try to figure out people's stories and their lives. Um, one theory I came up with was perhaps they ran away to Ireland because it was slightly easier to marry here. Um. Uh, but then they went back and then it came full circle when your grandfather, James, came over to Ireland as a soldier in 1905 and he met and married your uh, grandmother, Mary Monsell. Yeah. Yeah. So but, but what's unusual is that that, that that couple would have come over to Dublin in, in, in at a time when people didn't really travel a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, I was discussing this with some family members yesterday. I, yeah, I reckon they eloped. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So he well. was a shoemaker, wasn't it, you said? Yeah, he, uh, he was a shoemaker. Yeah. Um, so for whatever reason, they travelled from Cheltenham to Dublin. And bear in mind, they would have had to travel across Wales, probably to Hollyhead and get the boat across. Yeah. But then once they had their child, they went back. And they're back in Cheltenham by 1841, where they stay. And then they have they had more children over there. Yeah, I reckon she's landed gentry. They didn't approve of the shoemaker. And that they eloped. This is my story. They eloped, came over, had the baby in Dublin. And then the family had to accept him because they were married and that there was the baby. It always, it's, it's, you find these stories all the time and they always have some grain of truth in them. Definitely. Okay, okay and then, I, and then on, on my mother's side? Yeah, so the Quinns, 
your mother was Kathleen Quinn. And DNA proved to be fantastically useful here too because you have a DNA match to the grandchild of the beautifully named Violet Annie Victoria Quinn. And she was the sister of your grandfather, John Quinn. That's one of the things that I absolutely love doing as well is collecting names. And one of the things we do is we collect all the most amazing, unusual names and the really beautiful sort of combinations that we come across. And I think she just has a lovely name, Violet Annie Victoria. Ah, that's beautiful. They were, I was led to believe that he was from Enniskillen. He's not, but his father is. Ah, there's the Enniskillen connection. Yeah. Your grandfather was actually born in Abergool, County Mayo. Oh, oh, County Mayo? Yeah. Didn't know I had a County Mayo connection. I'll be cheering for them in in an All-Ireland. Yeah, so... um, James Quinn was your great-grandfather, so John Quinn's father. Yeah. And he, there's quite a sad story there. So James also had a military connection. So as you're aware, John Quinn was a soldier. He signed yeah. up in the First World War. But James also had one. And he say, served in the 2nd Brigade of the Royal Fusiliers, um, the Royal Inniskilling Fusiliers. And he signed up in 1889. However, just three years later, just around the time your grandfather was born, he had a very serious accident while he was on duty. And it's actually written into his military records that it will prevent his earning a livelihood and interfere to a considerable extent. I'm not entirely sure what happened. It never goes on to specify. But it does say that he had a stiff hand for life. So obviously he lost the use of his hand. And he was given a pension of 12 pence a day afterwards. And he got a pension for life because of this accident. Wow, the poor man. And not only that, that, he still still works for the army. They kept him in employment. Did they? Uh, yeah, they did indeed. He became caretaker at the military camp in the Curra for over 20 years. Oh, I didn't know there was a Curra connection. Yeah. Okay, and you, and you, it's just, yeah, yeah. And you say you can go down rabbit holes when you start looking into all of these different... Yeah, and there's so many different records. That's like, um, the petty sessions are probably one of my favourites. And on your Muslim side, I found you have some petty criminals. Um, <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> so, um, Mary Monsell who was James Messenger's wife, yeah. her grandmother. Her grandfather was William Monsell, and they lived on the old bridge in... In Carmel, yeah. Yeah. So William liked to poach fish, and he used to do it with a spear in the river, sir. <laughs> he used to go down behind the mills, and he used to use a spear to spear fish. Um, and he used to be called up before the petty courts because of this, and he used to be fined. And then um, 10 years later, he got your... Uh, great-grandfather involved but by that stage William was a bit older and they progressed using nets. <laughs> so these are the kind of records that you should find. Yeah but they were doing they, they were doing that to keep alive and to, to feed the family. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. On William's marriage record so William married uh, in 1857 he married a lady called Margaret Condon and the priest actually wrote in the marriage register that the couple were paupers. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. So it's these details are just fascinating. They make us who we are today. And they're all and, and those marriage certificates are there, are they that you can see them online? Yeah, so yeah. they're actually the Roman Catholic parish records, which are one of the most important sets for Yeah, they're theology. great. And what what is it, Jennifer, about our fascination with finding out who and where we came from? I think it's our fascination is it helps sort of we all we're all here today because firstly our parents, our our ancestors, they survived famine. So we have that lived experience that our ancestors, they didn't emigrate. We all stayed here because they managed to find a way to survive. And on that note, actually within JP's um, family history, 
your McNamara's, you always thought they might have been from Clare. Yeah. Well, I can I can tell you that they're in Bandon at least as early as eighteen twenty. So they were there during the famine. They were there before the famine, and not only that, they seem to have been reasonably prosperous. I found a great record in um. There's only two things in life: is death and taxes. Mm. We have some great collection of tax records, and there's one called the Tenure Book, and it shows that Patrick McNamara, who was your second great grandfather. And he's born about 200 years before you are in the 1780s. So think about that. That's a long time. Um, he bought at least 700 years, about 1827, for £100. And in the 1820s, that was an That's a lot of money. a lot of money. Huge amount of money. It's about £7,000 today. So it's a great bargain by today's property prices. But back then, it's a huge amount of money. Where's that, um, where's that parcel of land now, Yeah, John where's Paul? the prosperity yeah. gone now? <laughs> I wouldn't be working commercial radio if, if I had that. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, your, your family are buying land and my, my poor ancestors, they're poaching fish to keep his family yeah. alive. How fair was that? You're fish stealing. But you're, in, you're a lot more interesting than I was. Mine is kind of boring. They all Listen, stick around. Listen, it's, 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 it's absolutely fascinating. And all of this gets thrown up by a simple DNA test. Yeah, so you can start with your names and dates and places while you're waiting for your sample to process, and then you can use that to fill in the gaps. As I said, like there are some brick walls that I, I, I couldn't pick out your ancestors because we all share the same name. But once I could say, you have this cousin, yeah, I could then, the whole history just came, it just came to life in front of me. Okay, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And, it's, and it's true, even looking at the information that you've already sent on to us, you can just spend hours. You literally get lost looking at all yeah. of the information. It's incredible. Listen, I've really enjoyed it, uh, Jennifer. Uh, thank you for that. And, uh, and has there been a renewed interest in ancestry because of the pandemic, do you think? Yeah, so family is more important than ever. And people are staying at home. Um, but they're talking to people. They're talking to our relatives more. Zoom has been, you know, we're having all these Zoom meetings. And when we do get to meet people... Things like Christmas are just, you start talking. Yeah. And and that's what people, we need to do and we need to tell the next generation about. An oral history is something. Yeah. I know from speaking to both yourself and JP yesterday, I can, you know, I can give you all this information, but it sparks memories in you. And you can remember hearing your parents yeah, and your aunts yeah, and uncles. Yeah, 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 true. yeah. yeah. Listen, it's been a pleasure, Jennifer. Thank you for that. And you'll get that information over to us, will you, first? I will, of course. You're very good. Thank you, Jennifer. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That is uh, Jennifer Doyle of Ancestry.com and our Rebel Abu, John Paul. Thank you There we are, 100% Cork. (laughs) And not even that, Ross Carberry, Tennis Shannon, 100% West Cork. There we are. Rebels Abu. There we are. And uh, listen, wants to share experience. I've been at a restaurant uh, this week here in Cork and just uh, wondering how others would feel about this. Uh, my husband and I had uh, cappuccinos and my husband decided to have a slice of coffee sponge while I opted for the lemon tart. The girl said to me, would you like cream or fresh fruit with that lemon tart? And I initially said, no, no, I'll be fine. And then when she brought the coffees down, I decided, yeah, you know what? I will have the fruit, but I won't have the cream. When I went up to pay, it was 18 euros and 70 cent and she said oh there was an extra euro for the fresh fruit so it would have been 17 euro and 70 cent if I hadn't have had the bit of fresh fruit 
they asked me if I would like fresh fruit or cream, but they never mentioned that there was going to be an extra charge. Should they have mentioned when there's an extra on to us that they're going to charge you uh, for it? Uh, very annoyed. 1850-333-103. We are trying to get people's, and we've got a lot of people's Christmas covered this year here at C103. Just realised today is the last day of our C103 Christmas uh, covered where we're giving away these super value gift cards and they are worth uh, 500 euro by the end of today we will have given away 5,000 euro worth of super value gift cards and I know everyone that has been winning winning them are really excited and delighted with them so 9 o'clock this morning Ken played the bells for the last time Nick is going to play the the bells at 2 o'clock and then Martina will play the final set of bells at 5 you need to add up the total and later on after 5 o'clock Martina will tell you exactly when to text our WhatsApp in then sit by the phone because by sitting by the phone you might get a call like this that Neve Dawson got in Mitchellstown Hello Hi there is that Neve Dawson Yeah in Mitchellstown Yeah It's Martina here on C103 How are you? I'm good How's your day going so far? I'm grand. I'm up at the school at parent-teacher meeting. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that what I am interrupting right now? Yeah, it just came out. Yeah. Okay, well then, the interruption is for a very good reason. I don't think you'll mind. Niamh, your name popped out of our draw for our C103's Christmas Covered. I just need you to tell me again how many bells we uh, played out in the course of the day. How many all together? Eleven. Yes, it was 11. Oh, congratulations. That's marvellous. Niamh. Thank uh, you very much. How many is in the family? How how many will you be buying for with this uh, gift card from Super Value? Oh, I have two teenagers that will spend it. Oh, they're... Teenagers are very expensive, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Are the Christmas plans all made at this stage? Oh, getting there. Getting there. Okay. Well, hopefully you haven't all your shopping done yet because you are now getting a €500 festive shopping spree with your Super Value gift card. It's C103's Christmas covered. Thank you very much. Congratulations, Niamh. Back to the parent-teacher meeting now if you really want. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Hope the parent-teacher meeting went well as well, even though you can imagine the, the big smile she had in her face when she hit it back into that parent-teacher meeting. Congratulations to you, Neve in Mitchellstown. C103's Christmas covered with Super Value gift cards, perfect for every occasion. They're available in-store or for e-gift cards that can be sent with a personal message. Just search Super Value gift uh, cards. Your final day today, your chance to win. So make sure you're listening at two and at five here on C103. Hi Patricia would you give a quick shout out if you get a chance that following a great night of traditional music in Kilworth Community Centre last night with Frankie Gavin and Martine O'Connor. We'd afford to welcoming Mary Coughlin and friends. Oh, the wonderful Mary Coughlin and friends on Sunday afternoon to the Kilworth Community Centre. There's limited seating, but there are a few tickets still available. You can call or text 87 6492514. And as many of those small shows like that need to be supported and they're all done with social distancing and they're all sticking by the rules and regulations which have been introduced by the government so uh, please do your best to try to uh, support them. Barney's taking your calls at 1850 333 103. Somebody was on about they've got family members 
coming home from England and saying had they just heard that they've changed what people arriving from the UK, what they need to do when they come to Ireland. Yeah, this got announced late last night. It's uh, passengers arriving from Britain. They've been advised by the government they need to undertake daily antigen tests and they need to do it for five consecutive days beginning on the day of arrival that we know that before they leave the UK, they need to have, if they're fully vaccinated, they need to have a professional antigen test on a negative one. Or if they're not fully vaccinated, then they need to get a PCR test done. The PCR test I think is 72 hours before they travel and the antigen test they can have up to 48 hours before they travel. So this is an add-on to that. They now also need to, when they arrive here, they must do an antigen test every day for five days. The, As I say, this advice was only issued late uh, last night and this is obviously all to do with the Omicron variant and the public health assessment of the Omicron uh, variant. We now know in this country we've got six uh, cases of it, uh, even though the chief medical officer added there's a number of other probable cases under investigation. And this latest travel advice was announced late last night and it's aimed at encouraging people to take a kind of a cautious approach to international travel in light of the transmission of this new variant. The government is urging people to take account of their overall health, take account of their vaccine status and the spread of the variant in other countries before you make that decision to travel. The government said anybody eligible for a booster vaccine should avail of it where possible, particularly if people are contemplating international travel soon. The current requirement for all overseas passengers is to have pre-departure COVID uh, tests and that obviously is going to continue to uh, apply. And I know Micheál Martin was being pushed yesterday on would there be further restrictions either before, during or after uh, uh, Christmas and he simply, he just wouldn't say, he just said the government will follow what is happening with the new variant but they are very conscious and very mindful of what is going on in the UK and what is going on in Europe and we're coming into the time of the year when so many people will be travelling and this year I think more than ever because of last year and people had cancelled plans for last year and people are, you know, saying haven't seen my family now for for, for two years in, in some cases. It would have been the Christmas of 2019 that some families were all together. So there will be a lot of people travelling. So it's just an extra layer of precaution has been put in. So if you've got family coming anywhere from Britain from today onwards and right up to and including the lead up to Christmas and over Christmas, they are being asked to take daily antigen tests and obviously then if any of those antigen tests turn up with a positive result they'll then be sent off for total isolation sent off for a PCR test. 1850 Bernie's taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 And Mark Malone our movie reviewer uh, joins me on this Friday afternoon Good afternoon to you Mark Hi, Patricia. And you're very welcome. Okay, uh, I have Gunpowder. I've only got details of one movie. Gunpowder Milkshake. That's the one? That's the one. Okay, we have a trailer from that. Let me get a a quick trailer. Here we go. There's a group called The Firm. Give the kill order. They think they can get away with anything. We're going to bring the sky down on their heads. Think you have a chance here? No! We have an army. Well, I've got my mom. (laughs) Gunpowder milkshake. My grandmother. God, no. This is a a professional assassin? Yeah. 
Uh, funnily enough, every time I go to look for it in the internet, I keep putting in Strawberry Shortcake, which is a completely well, different kind of movie altogether. <laughs> <laughs> I keep doing it. <laughs> this is the kids movie. What, what am I looking at this for? This is not the movie I'm looking for. I'm looking for an incredibly violent uh, British movie. Very different American movies. Uh, very much so, yeah. Um, when I went looking for this, actually, um, uh, the thing is, is that it's based on a comic and um, my daughter was desperate to see this and we knew it was on Netflix. So when we went looking for it, we couldn't find it. But it's on American Netflix, but it's not on our Netflix, which was kind of a bit disappointing. So um, I did have to download it and uh, and stream it. Um, this is kind of a, an action movie with a kind of twist, really, in that uh, the, fine, the, the five main female characters are all assassins. And, um, and I think that's the kind of interesting twist to this film. Because in other words, really, to be brutally honest with you, you know, as I was watching it, I had this kind of sense of deja vu. I'm thinking I've seen all this before. Obviously, the people who made it were obviously, you know, very much influenced by the kind of action movies that have come in the past. You know, uh, they were thinking Tarantino, they were thinking, um, you know, John Wick and movies like that. Um, but the fact that the, the, the main five female characters are terrific actors uh, does kind of elevate this uh, from kind of the, the, the average. Uh, the main character in this is Karen Gillan, and she plays this character of Sam, and she is an assassin. She works for a company called The Firm. And basically, she's kind of a fixer, really, more than anything else, because if something goes wrong, they send her in to fix it and sort everything out and basically leaves a kind of a trail of bodies behind her. She's then given the job to retrieve this money which has been stolen by this guy. She goes to try and get the money from him, but she realises that uh, he's using the money because his daughter has been kidnapped by a bunch of, uh, of Russian gangsters, and he's using the money uh, to try and uh, retrieve his daughter. He dies, and then she becomes kind of almost responsible for the young girl. The problem is, is that in the process of rescuing the, the young girl, she destroys the money. She kind of doesn't really, it kind of blows up, but there's no fire. So actually the money ends up kind of floating in the air. And you're kind of thinking, well, just scoop just it up. Just grab but the money, yeah. <laughs> just pick it up off the ground. But she doesn't, she leaves it. She goes back to the firm and says, sorry, I've lost all your money. So as you can imagine, the firm are not best pleased. So then they decide, look, to take her out. And so she realises that she and the little girl are in big, big trouble. Uh, so she goes to try and find her long-lost mother, She kind of, who she kind of vaguely knew as a young girl. It turns out her mother is Lena Hedy, uh, who is only, by, by the way, about 12 years older than Karen Gillan, I should point out. And, um, and she, too, was an assassin. And so she enlists the help of her and also three other women who also used to be kind of um, in, the, in the business with Lena Hedy, played by Angela Bassett, Michelle. Yo and Carlo Gugino. So what basically follows is this extraordinary action movie. When I say extraordinary, at times it's brilliant, at times it isn't, and that's a terrible shame, I think. I often get the impression with kind of modern movie making is that they put an awful lot of effort in some of the scenes. It's like, you know, they could, they storyboard it, they put a lot of effort in to make sure it's right and it's good. And then there's kind of scenes where they just kind of seem to go, eh, It'll do. And I don't think that's kind of good enough, really. Do you know what I mean? And that happens with a lot of films that I'm watching, especially with modern movies. <clears throat> I mean, I, I, it's unfair to kind of compare this director to Steven Spielberg, but just recently I watched a film that Steven Spielberg made when he was about 22, 23, uh, a film called Duel. I don't know if you've ever seen it no. uh, with Dennis Parker. He made it when he was a very, very young man. He made it for TV, but it was so good it went to cinemas. 
And when a young man with that little experience can kind of, uh, you know, to, to, to provide a film which from start to finish is just solid entertainment, there's nothing wrong with it. There's no, there's not one bum note in the whole film. I watch a lot of modern movies and it seems like just they don't seem to have that kind of control over, you know, their, their movies. It's whether or not the directors aren't good enough, the editors aren't good enough, I don't know. And there are so many scenes in this film which just simply don't work. And it's a terrible shame because when it does work, it, it, it is very, very entertaining. It is quite violent. As far as I know, it's about a 12 cert, which is kind of low for me because um, there are times when the, the violence is uh, quite explicit. I do like Karen Gillan, though. She's the star of this film. And I think that she's got uh, terrific, you know, star quality. And I always enjoy watching her. And the other four ladies as well are terrific to watch as well. And um, as I say, about 80% of this, I thought, was really, really entertaining. Unfortunately, the 20% of it that wasn't, unfortunately, kind of undermined. Let it down. I watched it. I watched it with my 12, 20, 20 year old. Uh, she's this is based on a comic. She's read the comic, so she was really looking forward to this. At one stage, she turned to me and said, "This is the best film I've ever seen." So there you go. Okay, all <laughs> right. Read it with that. What do you wish? Okay, so mark it out of ten. Uh, I'll give it six. Six out of ten. Okay, and it is called Gunpowder Milkshake. Okay, did you watch the second That's movie it. as well? And I'll tell you what, I was going to do that, but I have no internet, I'm afraid, so I wasn't able to stream anything. All right, so. okay, all right. I was wondering because that's John a long Paul, story. That's okay, John Paul has left I know the you get complaints. I know you get complaints <laughs> about internet companies all the time, and I could uh, be here and I could have uh, a big, long conversation with you, but I'm not going to do that. Is it, uh, is it, was it to do with the storm? Um, slightly. That, yeah. the, that, there's a, that, that has kind of um, a place in it, but it's, um, it's, it's a longer story than that. So. And it's, it's, so it, I'm hotspotting hot off my, my phone here. We've, we've had a few uh, listeners, you know, say, you know, whatever, but, um, you know, when you lose electricity, I mean, that's a really different story. But the, the amount of people who lost broadband and just saying, we, we, we forget how much we rely on it. Well, this is it. I mean, it had nothing to do really with that. This was to do with a switchover, which has kind of gone awry ever oh. so slightly. And uh, yeah, and I've been, basically I'm left with two weeks without internet. And uh, as you say, I work from home, so therefore, you know, it, it hasn't uh, improved my mood much with uh, with these companies. You know? Okay, all right. And just when you funny you mentioned <laughs> Steven Spielberg, and I saw a text come in about it that the West Side Story, the remake of West Side Story, that's Steven Spielberg, isn't it? Well, the thing is that uh, the first question people asked was, why? Why Why would you do that? Because, of course, the original movie is a great movie. You know what I mean? I yeah. remember when I was watching, I watched it when I was very young. I was only about in, in my teens. And, you know, me and uh, my mom used to watch musicals all the time, for example. You know what I mean? I loved Hello, Dolly. I saw that when I was about 15. Watched it again recently. And it's as good, if not better, than I've ever seen. I love the movie. And... Um, so when I first heard, I thought, you know, because the thing about Spielberg is that, you know, he has a list which he always wants to cross off. You know, he, he wants to do his Western. He's done his war movie. He's done his science fiction. And he always wanted to do a musical. And I suppose to take on West Side Story is very, very brave. It's gotten terrific reviews. And, um, you know, everybody seems to love it. And I'm desperate to see it. I really am. Because, but a big risk, as you say, because something as classic as that could have gone very wrong for but, him. Well, yeah, and something as beloved as that, yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's it, it was a very very brave decision. But um, look, you know, he's as I said, look at twenty two, twenty three. If you could make a film uh, like Duel, and I think he was only twenty six when he made Jaws, uh, which is still one of the greatest movies ever made. I mean, this is a man with huge, huge amount of talent. I've seen the trailers; it looks beautiful. He has used the songs, and uh, you know, it just looks as if it's going to be. There, some of the reviews have said it's even better than the original, and Whoa. that's not something. You 
Oh, very often whoa, these days, yeah. looking forward to that. OK. All right, listen, Mark, um, best of luck with getting your broadband back. Hopefully <laughs> it'll be back soon. <laughs> and do my best. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme. Good morning You're to welcome. you. Bye Cheers. bye, bye bye. Good afternoon as it is now. That's Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Somebody was on about the double payments for social welfare. The Christmas bonus was getting paid out this week, but somebody was asking about what's going to be the arrangements over Christmas, because of course there'll be a period of time where the post office is, is closed. Will they be paying an advance payment for the following week? Yes, they do it every year. And the social welfare payment uh, dates are for the week of the 20th, which isn't next Monday, the Monday after after uh, that following week when you go to collect whatever social welfare payment you're getting or if you get paid into your bank account you will be getting a double but it isn't a double as in the Christmas bonus double it will be an advance payment for the following week but it's important to note that if you collect say it's a pension and you collect it from the post office because Christmas Eve is a Friday this year and a lot of people go to the post office on a Friday your payment your Friday payment will be available on Christmas week it will be available on the thir- on the Thursday, the 23rd. So if you normally pick it up on the Friday, you'll be able to pick it up on the Thursday. And on that Thursday, you will be getting a double, but it's an advance payment for the following week. 1850-333-103. Just a reminder that the boil water notice remains in place for people who get their water from the Newmarket Regional Water Supply. As soon as it's been lifted, we will update you. But as of now, the boil water notice remains in place. That's why I leave you for today. Thanks to John Ball and to Bernie for helping out on the programme today. Nick Richards is with you. Back with you on Monday. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.